Amen. Ready for the word this morning? Glory to God. Glory to God. I'm excited to be preaching the word of God before you this day. Can you hear me? Praise God. It's weird looking out and seeing someone with headphones on. <laughs> I'm not coming against you, brother. I'm just saying it's kind of different. Everybody has headphones on, and I guess if I was in a foreign country and they had one of those interpreters or so forth, you know, they do that at Rama. They'll have somebody in the back interpreting, and they have their headphones on from the, because they're from a foreign country. But anyway, Big Dave's not from a foreign country, for those who don't know. But go with me to chapter 5 in uh, the book of John this morning. John chapter 5, I want to continue with our study on looking at what manner of man Jesus was when he was upon the earth. So far, we've looked at how Jesus had prayed when he was here. We've looked at how Jesus always walked in love. We've looked at how Jesus was always found faithful. We've looked at how Jesus operated in divine authority. We've looked at how Jesus handled all the sufferings and challenges that he faced. And lately, we've been looking at how Jesus ministered healing. Why do we want to know these things? Simply put... So that we can be just like Jesus. We're called to walk in his steps. We're called to be just like Jesus. We're called to do his very same works in the earth today. This is not just for a chosen few. It's for all of us as believers. Everybody in this room. I don't care how old or young you are in the Lord. Is called to do the works of Jesus. You're supposed to be a display to the world. Of who Jesus is. You're a, a, a walking billboard. You know I said this before. Where one minister went into a, a sporting store. And saw all those different t-shirts. And they all have like Nike on them. Or Adidas. Or, or uh, what's some other ones. Whatever. It doesn't matter. But basically when you put on their t-shirts. You're a walking billboard. Everywhere you go. You're you know, displaying Nike and so forth. We're, we're called to be a walking billboard. But not for any natural product. We're called to be a walking billboard for Jesus Christ. Wherever we go, our light should be shining. People should look at us and see something different about us. But the way we respond, the way we act. I mean, I see some things happening in this world. And I'm telling you, sometimes my flesh gets so riled up. I mean, I hear some of the politicians say some things. And I, I was saying this to my wife the other day. What a stinking liar. That man is lying through the, his lying through his teeth. He knows that's not the truth. And my wife is going, what good is that doing for you to say that to me? You know, and it's, it, it, it's just, I guess I said all that to say, we're not called to live out of our flesh. We're called to live out of our hearts. We're called to let the Jesus that's in us out of us. Let the roaring lying lion out of us. Amen. You know, sometimes we're going to have to be bold. When the world is, is calling us names, when the world is saying things to us that, that uh, uh, are, are, are wrong or are contrary to the word of God, we're going to have to draw a line in the sand, so to speak, and say, no, I'm not going to back off of what I believe. I'm not going to back off of who I am. For I am a child of God. Amen. And nobody can take that away from me. You can throw me in jail. You can execute me. That's still not going to take away the fact that I'm a child of God. Amen. 
And I'm going to let his light shine through me because I have the answer that you need. Amen. Glory to God. It really irks me when I say ministers of the gospel get on the news and begin to water down the gospel. Try to, try to make it more uh, uh, tolerant. Is that the way Jesus was? I mean, think about Jesus called him a brood of vipers. Whitewashed. I always tear up that word. Coffins. I'll just use that word. <laughs> so, sepulchers. Sepul- yeah, that word right there. Sepulchers. Where did that word ever come from? It's, just, that's not a, it's not a word Texans say much. Using our common language, you know. But I just, I want us to get the revelation that if we're really going to make a difference in this world for Jesus Christ, we're going to have to be more like Jesus. And it's not just through our words, but it's going to have to be through our actions. And if we can get the revelation that God has literally given us everything we need to not only uh, 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 look like Jesus, talk like Jesus, but to do the very same works of Jesus. Don't you think that would kind of start to get you a little bit excited? I mean, we should get excited about going out into the world. Because when we go out into the world, we're not going out into the world just as a mere human being. See what I'm saying? When we're walking through Walmart, I don't know how many people in that place are born again. I can't, unless the Lord let me, see into the spirit realm and say, born again, born again, not born again, not born again, born again, born again, born again, not born again. I can't see that. I don't know that. But the point I'm trying to make is this. I'm not going into the world as as a man, as a mortal being. I'm no longer a mortal being. I am a spirit being i live forever and i'm a new creation in christ jesus i have the power of almighty god in me the same power that created the universe the same power that created the mountains all around us the same power that created the birds and the bees and the trees and the seas and everything else that rhymes with that word glory to god There's something different about you and me, and it's a good thing. We're beautiful. Yeah, we are. We're beautiful. We got God permeating our being. There's nothing more beautiful than Him. That's a word for somebody today. Stop looking in the mirror and saying, what am I looking at? You're a child of God. That's what you're looking at. Hallelujah. We're called to be like Jesus. We're called to look, be like Jesus. Everybody say, I'm called to be like Jesus. Amen. Now, so far, in the area of how Jesus ministered healing, we've looked at seven of the 19 individual recorded uh, healings in Jesus' ministry. And each of the ones we've looked at so far, all of these different healings, The individual's faith was mentioned or implied. But this morning, I want to take some time, and I want to look at one of the example of Jesus ministering healing, where the faith of the individual had absolutely nothing to do with this individual getting healed. Okay? 
John chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Man, I'm already starting to sweat again. Praise the Lord. After this, there was a feast of the Jews. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda. Now that word Bethesda means the place of outpouring. Or house of mercy, house of kindness, house of grace. All right? And it has five porches. Now I just want to throw this in for free, a side note. I actually got to see this area when I went over there to Israel. We got to walk around it. It was amazing. It's so deep, down deep, and it was so big and, and, and a very large place. It was right by the uh, church of St. Anne's. And that's the church we got to go into and have a worship service. You talk about something that's going to be indelibly imprinted on my heart forever. That time right there, I mean, the, the acoustics in that place, when, people, when we started to sing, Oh, my goodness. I thought the, I mean, I literally, I thought angels were coming down and singing with us. It was that powerful. So anyway, it's an it, a, a, a incredible place. Verse 3 says, in this, in these, these five different porches, there at the pool of Bethesda, lay a great multitude. Now, what do you think a great multitude means? We're talking about hundreds, if not even thousands of people. That were laying in these porches. And notice who they were. Of sick people. Blind, lame, paralyzed. Waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time. Into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first. After the stirring of the water was made well. Of whatever disease he had. I got a question for you. Could something like this really happen? Did this really happen? It did, didn't it? Now, I, one of the things I've, I've noticed is some translations actually leave the, this part out about an angel stirring up the water. I don't know why they did because it's literally in the Greek translation, in the Aramaic. It talks about an angel there, but some people leave it out. They believe instead that an underground spring caused the water to intermittently move. But the bottom line is, whether it was an angel or a spring that stirred up the water, whoever entered into that water first was healed. Miraculously healed. And I'm not just talking from a, a headache. We're talking paralyzed people, blind people, lame people. Now, a few weeks ago, we talked about angels for a moment. But the thing I want to uh, reiterate to you is that angels are very real spiritual beings. Do you know that there are angels in this room right now? Now, I know that's kind of hard to conceive or some, to believe, but it's the, it's the truth. There are angels in this place right now with us. Isn't that awesome? And these aren't little tiny little, little fat baby angels Bring. laying on the clouds. Bring. These are big, bad bamajamas. These are, these are the Arnold Schwarzeneggers, the big dudes, but way taller. And they ha I got a real big angel. He's, he's probably, give him a high five. But anyway, that was, I like to do that, but so be it. So what's neat about this is that angels, according to Hebrews 
are sent to minister for those who are uh, uh, for those who are heirs of salvation. Who are the heirs of salvation? That's you and me. The Bible actually tells us, now get this in Psalm 103, verse 20, that they respond to the word of God. Have you ever thought about how you could get your angel working on your behalf? Speak the word out of your mouth in faith. You speak the word from your mouth, they respond to the word of God. They go and see about making it come to pass. They go and, and, and start to bring it to pass. Amen. Glory to God. That's an awesome thing. Do you know that we're supposed to believe God every night and every morning for divine protection? And part of that divine protection is to have angels charged around about you. Think about that. You're supposed to have angels charged around about you. But what if you never even give it a thought? What about if you just go about your business, never even think about it, never even uh, uh, say, God, I, get, uh, I ask you to give your angels charge over me this day. As I go out this day, I, I, by the way, I'm just going to let you know I do that for you. I pray for you. That very thing, the 91st Psalm over your lives. And I do it for my family and me. You know, what the enemy would love to do is try to get us to believe something is negative is going to happen to our loved ones. They're going out somewhere. They're going to go over this place or that place. And so... <laughs> What do you do when those thoughts begin to bombard your mind? You know what a lot of people start doing? Worrying. They start to worry. I wonder if. And they allow this thought, these thoughts to begin to permeate their thinking. And they begin to ponder it. And they begin to think on it. Oh, what are we going to do? How about let's believe God? How about let's take God at his word? That God has placed a covering of protection over us. That God has given his angels charge over us. Therefore, we can boldly declare that no evil shall befall us, nor shall any plague come near our dwelling. Ha ha! That's what the word says. I just take God at his word. You might think me simple, but that's okay. Because I take God at his word. I believe what God has said is so. And now it's just up to me to believe it. Amen. So I believe angels, oh, you know what's so sad? There are a lot of Christians whose angels go through their entire, the whole time they're with them, bored. How you doing there, Bob? Uh, not much, just sitting over here waiting for them to do something. Put our angels to work. Let's put them to work. Brother Hagen talks about where our finances are concerned. You know, he was, uh, the Lord was, was teaching him how to believe for finances. And he said to quit asking me for your finances. I don't have your finances up here in heaven. They're there on the earth. What you would need to do is bind Satan off of your finances. We've been given the keys of heaven to loose and to bind. Bind Satan off of your finances and then loose the ministering spirits to go and cause that harvest to come in. Amen. Glory to God. So I have no issues with believing that an angel would show up at this pool of Bethesda. Stir up the water. Amen. But again, the main point is that here in Bethesda, the house of mercy, God was demonstrating his mercy. 
Now let me say this here. There are two categories that most people divide the healings of Jesus into. Number one is faith initiated. Or you could call it the human side of healing. In which we reach out and receive what already belongs to us because of the redemptive work of Christ with our hands of faith. Faith initiated. Number two is God initiated. Or we could call that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Those are special faith, the gifts of healings, and the working of miracles. Now we've already seen in some of the healings in the ministry of Jesus that they involved faith. And we believe that we can still receive healing for ourselves with our faith. How many believe that's true? But how many believe that God still initiates healings and miracles and other extraordinary and very special things today like he did in the ministry of Jesus and through the hands of Paul and Peter and the other disciples? How many believe that God still initiates healings today? Absolutely. God doesn't change. And I'm convinced, I'm convinced that just like God did it through the one that we're called to be like, and through those who are a part of the very same church that we're a part of, he wants to do those same kinds of things through us today. Miracles through us. Miracles of healings through us. Amen. Glory to God. I'm telling you, do not believe anyone who would dare to say that miracles have passed away. Because that's a lie straight from the pit of hell. Miracles are still for today, friends. Miracles are still for today. How many believe that's true? He's, he's the God of miracles. He's always been in the miracle business, and he always will be. Now, as I've already studied, um, excuse me, mentioned in this study, out of the 19 recorded healings in the ministry of Jesus, the majority of these folks were healed by their faith. However, there are a few of these healings because God initiated them. So, based off of that information, how many believe that we should be expecting to see more faith-initiated healings than God-initiated healings. I mean, we as Christians are called to live by faith, right? I mean, God expects us to use our faith to fully take advantage of everything Jesus accomplished for us through his redemptive work, including healing. However, there will be times where God initiates healing through one of the gifts of the Spirit. But what happens with so many Christians, and I want you to pay attention to this, is to, that, that they become like all of these sick folk in this account. They just lie around waiting and waiting and waiting for the stirring of the water. In other words, they're constantly waiting around for God to show up and do something special in their lives by healing them. But is that the main way God has established for us to get healed? 
Is that the way God has established for us to receive anything from him? No. Friends, once again, the way God has established for us to receive the promises of God is by our, our faith. By our faith. We've got to understand that as far as God is concerned, God has already moved on our behalf through the redemptive work of Jesus. It's already a done deal. Healing already belongs to you and me. And now all we have to do is what? Reach out and receive it with our hands of faith. Believe that we receive it. Amen. That's the way we're called to live as born-again believers. So is it, no, I'm going to not really shift gears, but just a different question. Is it ever the will of God for anyone to die because of sickness or disease? It's not. Just as it's not God's will that, just as it is God's will that all would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, it is God's will that all would be healed. Now, I know for some people, they might have issues with that statement. I know many churches would. I went into a ch many churches today and preached something like that. They would have some aught with that. But I would say to them, don't take my word for it. Go and study it out for yourself. I guarantee you that they will not find one scripture that substantiates what they believe. I think what happens with so many folks, and I'm not condemning them because of this, but I believe this is what happens. They, they, they have prayed for someone. Or they know of someone who was prayed for, possibly a loved one, and they didn't get healed. And because of that lack of healing in that person's life, because of that experience in their mind's eye, the way they think now, it's obvious that God doesn't heal everybody. But do we determine the will of God by the experiences of people? I know that might seem harsh, but I want you to stop and think about it. Do we determine the will of God by someone's experience or lack of experience? Because if that was the case, then I, you could not stand before me and tell me that it is God's will to save everybody. Because not everybody gets saved. But how many believe that it is God's will to save everybody? Amen. So you can't determine the will of God by someone's experience or lack thereof. The only way for us to establish the will of God is by looking into the word of God. In other words, God's word is his will. Did you hear that? Not anybody's experience, but what does the Bible say? And when you study this out, you'll see that healing is a part of our redemption. You'll see that everyone who came to Jesus for healing left healed. You'll see that one of the names of God is Jehovah Rapha, which means I am the Lord who heals you, not I was the Lord who heals you. You'll see that God does not change, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he healed back then, then glory to God, he's still healing today, and he'll be healing tomorrow. Glory to God, and it goes on and on and on and on. I mean, I believe I, when I did a study on this, I did a teaching on this, God's will to heal. 22, if I'm not mistaken, different biblical uh, 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 points that support the fact that it is God's will to heal all today. Amen. 
And if it is God's will for you to be healed, you know it's God's will for you to be healed. Do you believe that God is able to heal you? Then you're in a position to receive that healing into your life. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! So waiting around on God to initiate healing into our lives is not the way that Christians are supposed to do it. And yet how many do it that way? I guess God just wants me to deal with this. He must be trying to teach me something. He must be trying to humble me. God is not going to use something of the devil to teach you something. To humble you with. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God doesn't need any help from the devil. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. So we're called to initiate healing into our lives with our, with our faith. That's how we receive anything that God has done for us through Jesus' redemptive work. Amen. But there will be times, once again, when God, out of his great mercy, will initiate healing into someone's life. Just like he did here at the Pool of Bethesda, the House of Mercy. Now, why does God do this? Why does God still initiate healing in the earth today? Because he wants to show the world what's now available through faith. Did you hear that? Think of it this way. Have you ever gone to Costco when they have all those uh, samples out? You ever gone around and gone, you know, you kind of make a circle around and, ooh, that looks good. That, ooh, that one looks normal. Skip by that one, but ooh, that one looks good. What are those samples for? So you can know what they have there in that store. And you can say, I want some of that. I'm going to get some of that. I'm going to pay for some of that. Well, glory to God, when God initiates healing, that's what he's doing. He's showing us what's available. This is available to you. But the good thing about it, the price has already been paid. The blood of Jesus has already purchased it for you. Glory to God. That's good news. Hallelujah. So here in this account, account, these sick folk are lying around waiting for the stirring of the water. And it's only the first person to get down into the water who actually gets healed. That's it. Just one person gets healed. Now, I don't, the Bible doesn't you know, tell us how often this happens. We don't know if it happened once a day, once a month, once a year. We don't know. But the bottom line is, is when the water was stirred, only one person got healed. Now, pick it up in verse 5. Now, a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. Is it possible to heal someone who is dealing with something for 38 years? Wow. Verse 6, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time. How did Jesus know he had been in this condition for a long time? Because Jesus is the Son of God, Pastor Dan. Come on. No. It was because Jesus was operating in one of the gifts of the Spirit, the gift of knowledge. The Spirit of God was upon Jesus. Amen. And that's what he was operating in right there. One of the gifts, this gift of knowledge. Jesus said to him, do you want to be made well? Now notice how this sick man replied to Jesus. This is, I mean, and, 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 and notice how uh, uh, 
if there's any faith involved in it. Verse 7, the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while while I am coming, another steps down before me. So is this man operating in faith? Not even a little bit. First of all, he doesn't even know who Jesus is. You can skip down to verses 12. You can just look up here. Then they asked him, who is this man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Verse 13, but the one who was healed did not know who it was. Didn't even know who Jesus was. How can you have faith in Jesus if you don't even know who Jesus is? It's impossible. Plus, where's this man's focus? His focus is on the fact that nobody's there to help him. Every time that water gets stirred up, this, the, somebody else jumps in the water before me and gets healed. Jerk. I mean, think about it. I, we don't know how long he's been laying there. But he's probably been laying there for a long time. And all of these other people, I mean, he probably, he might be right by the water. Now, see, personally, if I'm in need of healing, I'd just be laying in the water. But that, that's another story. But this guy, we don't know, you know, how far away he is from the water. We don't know anything about this. But the bottom line is, what is he doing? His focus is on nobody's there to help me. I don't have anybody to help me. You know what is so sad about this? That's exactly how so many Christians are today. They will go around making excuse after excuse after excuse as to where they are at in life, or the reason they haven't achieved more in life, or the reason they haven't been able to get this thing, or do that thing, or whatever. They make excuses. Nobody knows how hard it's been for me. You don't know how mean those people were to me. I don't have a good education. I was raised dirt poor. Excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse. And I'm telling you, as Christians, we are not called to live that way. Because as Christians, we have the ability to go boldly before the throne of God to receive mercy and to find grace in our time of need. You don't have to go to this man or that man. All you got to do is get on your knees and go to God. Jesus has made the way before you to go into the presence of God with his precious blood. Amen. There's no room for excuses anymore. See, I, I, it, that's one of the things as a minister and I'm counseling somebody and all I'm hearing out of their mouths are excuses excuses and 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 i'm doing the best i can to respond out of a heart of love and how many know that sometimes a heart of love is going to respond a little bit bold i'll use that nice word because if the way they're living their lives by continuously finding fault with others and why aren't they helping me and why can't this happen why hasn't this happened and so forth and so forth and so forth If I can't get bold and let them know that what the Bible tells me is so and what the Bible tells them is so and all they got to do is apply that word to their lives and begin to live by faith and take advantage of everything Jesus has done for them. Glory to God, they can rise up and be somebody and do some things, powerful things for the kingdom of God in the earth today. 
There's no reason for anybody to uh, uh, sit there and blame it on somebody else. Well, you don't know how mean my mommy and my daddy was. Are you a child of God? Are you a child of God? Because if you're a child of God, you have access to the King of Kings. You can come boldly before the throne of grace. God is open, open his arms up. Come into my presence. Receive from me. God wants to bless you. You got to get this in your mind. God doesn't just want to bless you. He wants you to be successful. He wants you to live victoriously. He doesn't want you to live from failure to failure, from defeat to defeat. He wants you to live in victory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody say, I'm not into excuses. Amen. It just really comes down to their fault. They are where they are. Not anybody else's fault. I mean, I'm talking about Christians now. And I'm not trying, again, I'm not trying, I wouldn't beat anybody up, condemn anybody. But if you would go into the Bible, or you go hear the word being preached, you hear what the Bible says, and you'll simply step out in faith, you have every right to receive from God as any other Christian. Amen. That's not into favoritism. I mean, I am God's favorite, but so are you. That's the truth. I mean, that's the way we've got to be. I mean, how many have a right relationship with your parents? If your parents are still alive. You know, I had a great relationship with my mom and dad. And, 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 and it, usually if I needed something, I would just, I never got an allowance, but I could just ask them for something and usually they would give it to me. I mean, not like got cars or anything, but like if I wanted to go to the movies or something like that. How much more should that be true for us with our Heavenly Father? You might say, well, you don't know how badly I've been living. You don't know how powerful the blood of Jesus is. Because when we ask God to forgive us, guess what happens? We're cleansed. We still have right standing with him. All you got to do now is boldly ask for what you know is already yours in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. No excuses. If you don't like where you're at, then change it. God has made a way for you to do it. I don't care how much you failed in life. And I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm not saying that to be mean. But I don't care how bad things have been for you. The thing I do care about is getting across to you how good our God is. How much our God loves you. How his mercy endures forever. I want you to know that he wants to bless you. He wants to empower you. He wants you to live victoriously. He wants you to live successfully. And he's given you everything you need so you can. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 8, Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. Now, will God ever ask us to do something we can't do in and of, our, in and of ourselves? Oh, yes, he will. Oh, yes, he will. In fact, I want to give you an example of someone who is commanded to do something. But I want you to notice the difference between these two accounts. Mark 3, 5. I've got that scripture. Look up here. Jesus said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Notice three things happened. Jesus gave the command, stretch out your hand. 
Number two, this man stretched out his hands. Number three, his hand was then restored. Do you see the order there? In other words, this man responded in faith to the command of Jesus. Do you see that? But now look at John 5 again and notice the big differences between these two accounts. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well. Took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. Notice that the order isn't the same as we just saw with the man who stretched out his hand, the withered hand. Here in this case, case, faith isn't involved at all. Not at all. Jesus gives him the command, and then immediately he's made whole, and then he picks up his bed and walks. Do you all see that? In other words, again, this healing had nothing to do with this man's faith. So if faith isn't involved in the healing, how was he healed? Don't need to start the teaching all over. <laughs> it was a miracle. It was a God-initiated healing. It was one of the gifts of the Spirit in manifestation. Amen. Whether it's special faith, the working of miracles, the gifts of healings. Now, again, why did God heal this man in this manner? Remember how many people were at this pool. Remember, hundreds if not thousands of people. Get that in your mind. They're laying around. They're sick. They're blind. They're, they're lame. They're paralyzed. <laughs> I believe why God did this. God was wanting to show them that they didn't have to wait for the stirring of the water for just one person to get healed. He said all of them could be healed. How? By hearing about Jesus. Knowing that Jesus is the healer. Going to Jesus in faith. In other words, faith initiated healing. Do you see that? Glory to God. Now look at verse 10. I'm almost done. Can you stick with me just a couple of minutes? The Jews therefore said to him, who is cured? It is the Sabbath. Isn't that crazy? The only thing they're worried about is it's the Sabbath. Somebody just miraculously is healed and they're getting angry. It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered them, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, who was the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. So in this case, this man's sin that he had previously committed years ago had opened the door to this physical ailment in his life. Now, it's important to point out, and I want you to hear this, that not all sickness comes as a result of sin in your life. The world we live in is already filled with the curse, including sickness and disease because of the fall of man back in the Garden of Eden. How many know that's true? But this man obviously had sinned at some point in his life, and then that sin had allowed the sickness to come upon him. And so Jesus tells him to go and sin no more. Why? So that something worse doesn't come upon him. You have to understand this. Sin opens the door and gives the enemy access to your life. 
Sin opens the door and gives the enemy access to your life. Sin opens the door and gives the enemy access to your life. What do we need to do? We need to stay away from sinning. And God's grace is sufficient for us. However, if we do mess up, what have I said to you over and over since this church has begun? Be quick to fess up and then get back up. Amen. Don't go a moment. If you know you've messed up, ask God to forgive you right there and then. You don't want to go through your days and weeks having sin in your life. Deal with it. The blood of Jesus is just as powerful today as it was back then, and it always will be. The sin issue has already been dealt with. All you have to do is say, Father God, I, missed, I messed up. I sinned. Please forgive me. And you're forgiven. Amen. And that shuts the door to the enemy right away. Thank you, Lord. Verse 15. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought, I mean, Sought to kill him for healing somebody. Because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now. And I have been working. Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him. Because he not only broke the Sabbath. But also said that God was his father. Making himself equal with God. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you. The son can do nothing of himself. But what he sees the father do. For whatever he does... The son also does in like manner. For the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you, are mar- that you will marvel. I tell you, God is wanting to do some great things in the earth today. He is wanting to do signs and wonders. He is wanting to do marvels. Glory to God. I want you to notice one thing, and then I want to share one last thing after that. Jesus gave the glory to who? Did Jesus ever take the glory to himself? He always gave the glory to his dad, to his father, didn't he? How many know it's so important that we always give the glory to God? God does something in your life or through your life, he gets all the glory. It's only by God's grace we are who we are. We have what we have. We can do what we can do. Thus, he gets all the glory. So, even though we're called to live by faith and to appropriate healing into our lives with our faith, God still initiates healing today. And so, we need to be believing. I want everybody to hear me now. We need to be believing for more God-initiated healings through this church, through you, the people of this church. Remember what the, the prophetic word was at the beginning of this year? 2019 will be a year of marvels, wonders, and extraordinary manifestations of the greatness of our God. God is wanting to show up and show off, my friends. My prayer is, and I trust it's your prayer too, God, here I am. Here I am. Use me, Lord. I want, I expect to see the marvels and wonders and extraordinary greatness Extraordinary manifestations of the greatness of my God. I expect to see those things, God. And I expect for you to use me to do those very same things. I expect to do them. Do you expect to do the miraculous? Do you want to do the miraculous? Do you want to do things that are not natural? 
They're supernatural. They're God natural. I'll say it that way. I've never said it like that before. But think about it. God needs somebody. Why not you? How many really want God to do these kinds of things? And why? Why does he want to do it? Because he wants to demonstrate to the world that Jesus Christ has already made healing available to everybody. It's like a, 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 a sample, a, 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 something you're, just a, a, a little taste of God's goodness. That Jesus Christ is now made available for us through his redemptive work. Thank God for Jesus. Do you see that today? So let's be believing. I want you to be coveting to the gifts of the Spirit. I know that word, coveting, Pastor Dan. I thought that was a bad thing. No. God uses it in a positive way. Look it up in your scriptures. Amen. We're called the covet. Desire them with intensity. The gifts of the Spirit to be in manifestation. But you've heard me say this. I said it last week. We need to get people into this place who aren't Christians. Because that's when God really gets to moving. Because we're called to live by faith. Those people don't know how to live by faith. So when someone comes through those doors and they're in need of, uh, of a healing, God moves upon myself or one of you to go lay your hands upon that person. And they raise up whole and healthy. What is that going to do to them? You think that's going to be like, woo, 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 woo. God is real. God loves me. God cares about me. I want to know this, Jesus. Amen. God is wanting to do these things today. Hallelujah. You believe that? Let's pray. Father, we thank you right now for the wonderful word of God. The word is true.